You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello everyone and welcome to the week 13 edition of Falato's Fantasy Corner here on Big Blue View Radio. I am the host of this show, Nicholas Falato, and we are going to dive into some of the week 13 matchups, what the over-unders are, my rankings, and hopefully help guide you guys into the playoffs because in most standard regular fantasy football leagues, this is the last week of the regular season. So some of you are entering some very important matchups right here. Sometimes you're if you finish tied with somebody in your league, you may need to score a lot of points because the tiebreaker is points for. Hopefully throughout the season, I've assisted you in scoring a lot of points, so you don't necessarily need that at this point. Because fantasy football can be really unlucky. You could be a very good team and not have that many wins. But if you have a lot of points for, that could help you get into it. So let's try to maximize your lineup this week as you go into this last week of the regular season. Let's dive into this real quick, but before we get into the rankings like we usually do, let's go over some of these high over-unders. It doesn't seem like it's going to be an incredibly high-scoring week according to Vegas right now. The highest over-under of the week is the Cleveland Browns traveling to the Tennessee Titans, which is 54 points. That's the highest. And then the second highest is Jacksonville going up to Minnesota. That's 52.5 points. And then we have the Colts and Texans at 51 points. I mean... (laughs) They must really think Denver's defense is really good or Denver's offense is really bad because the Chiefs are almost sub-50. They are at an over-under of 50.5 points as they host the Denver Broncos, and the Chiefs are also 13.5 favorites right now. We just saw what the Chiefs did to Tampa Bay's defense. It was absolutely incredible. It was insane. Now, Denver's defense, on paper, don't seem like they're as good as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but Tampa Bay got kind of aggressive. They were playing a lot of man coverage, single high, man free type of defenses against Tyree Kill, putting Carlton Davis in a place where the guy just could not succeed. So that was really, really bad on Todd Bowles' part. But that Chiefs Broncos game, that's one of the highest over under still, and it's only at 50 and a half. So that just goes to show you that there's not going to be as many points. And it's not even due to weather, because the weather doesn't seem like it's going to be all that bad this week. We're entering into December. We're in December right now. And there's, you know, four dome games, but still, there's going to be some cold games. Doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of precipitation. Doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of windy games. Right now, the windiest game, now obviously it's subject to change. The windiest game, though, is the Raiders at the Jets, which is the Raiders' second East Coast trip, 1 o'clock start. And we saw what happened last week. So can the Jets pull off this miracle upset? The Raiders, who might not be with Josh Jacobs, we'll have to see with the Thursday I'm recording this before the practice reports come out to see what that practice report says for Thursday in terms of Josh Jacobs. But we're going to dive into the rankings right now. So let's do that. First off, right the bat, bye weeks. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Carolina Panthers. I know, it's weird. Last week we had zero bye weeks. This week we have two. Why? I have no idea. It's not because of COVID. This is just the way the NFL constructed their schedule. doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, but it is what it is. So my quarterback won. 
should be to no one's surprise. That's Patrick Mahomes versus Denver. Patrick Mahomes is playing out of his mind right now, and he's not even the number one ranked quarterback in terms of four points per passing touchdown leagues. It's actually Kyler Murray who has him by a couple fractions of a point on the season. But we saw what Pat Mahomes did with Tyree Kill. Those guys were just incredibly in sync. And through the last three games, he's averaging 28 fantasy points. And now, if you need this game, you're definitely hoping he does that and carries this into the playoffs. He's the number one ranked quarterback. Number two is Aaron Rodgers versus Philadelphia. Another player who's playing absolutely great football as of right now. And he gets Philadelphia. Now, Russell Wilson didn't necessarily have a smash game. But if DK Metcalf falls into the end zone instead of at the one yard line his game looks much more respectable i'm not worried about russell wilson and i actually think he's gonna have a really good game against the giants a team that's pretty good against the pass but we'll talk about him in a little bit aaron Rodgers against philadelphia in the cold of lambeau field with that offense of philadelphia not being able to really do anything i could see aaron Rodgers having another blow up aaron Rodgers type of day number three would be lamar jackson versus dallas obviously this is contingent on him clearing the covid list that is not a given right now but if Lamar Jackson can play in this game I love what he can do against Dallas's defense that was just absolutely annihilated by Alex Smith Antonio Gibson and that Washington football team's offense I think this could be one of the get right games for Lamar Jackson now Lamar Jackson has struggled all year but if you're a Lamar Jackson owner and you're making it to the playoffs he could be in for a really nice playoff run because his schedule lightens up significantly starting with this Dallas game so if you really need this game it's good but he has Dallas then he gets the Browns then he has the Jaguars or Jaguars as people say then he gets the Giants in week 16 and the Giants I think their zone defense can help contain Lamar Jackson that matchup's not as good or as juicy as Jacksonville and Cleveland but you might be seeing some fantasy points if you're a Lamar Jackson owner which is definitely welcome because it's something that you haven't seen to the level that you expected when you selected him in probably the third round Russell Wilson is four against the New York Giants. Look, the New York Giants ran a ton of inverted cover two. Tampa two robber, whatever you really want to call it. Essentially, it's when that middle of the field guy pre-snap drops down to a robber position and then two outside players drop their, usually cornerback or the apex defender, drop to the deep half, forming a cover two defense. Those plays, if Patrick Graham implements them against Russell Wilson, they're incredibly susceptible to Yankee concepts, deep posts to the middle of the field because there's only those two deep defenders and if one of those deep half players isn't cognizant of a deep crossing route coming from the opposite side of the field then that deep crosser has inside leverage against the other deep half player and that's just a recipe for a lot of deep plays and those of you who follow football obviously know DK Metcalf incredible speed Tyler Lockett incredible speed something I'm worried about I hope they just run more of the three high vary that up a good amount and sprinkle in the inverted cover two a little bit out of the bye week against Cincinnati against Brandon Allen of course much different than Russell Wilson I think Patrick Graham's going to play this in a much different manner than how he played Cincinnati but you have to be really weary when you use that type of coverage against a quarterback like Russell Wilson because he will figure it out but with that said I still think Russell Wilson is a great play against New York even if he doesn't hit those types of plays and you're not going to bench him if you have him in single quarterback leagues or double quarterback leagues obviously five josh allen at san francisco now josh allen didn't have the best of games last week he had the rushing touchdown joey bosa was kind of all over him the entire game san francisco can do something similar obviously they don't have his brother nick bosa anymore which is incredibly unfortunate but josh allen 
last week, ranked 16th, had 15 fantasy points on the game. This is a very physical defense against San Francisco, but I think he's still going to be able to do enough with his legs. They like to trust him on those quarterback powers, a la Taysom Hill, on the goal line. So he could fall into the end zone that way because Zach Moss and Devin Singletary aren't exactly getting it done. Zach Moss a little bit more than Singletary, but they like to trust Josh Allen there. San Francisco's defense is kind of hitting full stride, but I think Josh Allen could do enough to kind of still have a much better fantasy day than he did last game. But with Richard Sherman back, it's still a little bit testy, but I have him at five, and then I have Kyler Murray against the Rams, another defense that is just surging right now. But Kyler Murray, his floor with his legs is excellent. Last week, I don't think it's going to be the, the trend. I know he probably murdered your fantasy team last week. He got seven fantasy points. I think that's going to be the lowest that he's ever going to get, barring injury. Now, the shoulder is an issue. Yes, the shoulder is something that concerns me. But you're going to need to develop a specific game plan to take advantage of these defenders not named Jalen Ramsey and also not allow Aaron Donald to wreck the pocket. So I think Kyler Murray is going to be scampering a lot in this game, which is going to lead, you know, 10-yard gain here, 12-yard gain there, 15-yard gain there. It's going to add up. So I think he has a solid floor here, and you're not going to look at another seven-point game. Seven, Justin Herbert versus New England, the team that just forced Kyler Murray to have seven points. I think Justin Herbert is going to be able to do enough, if it's not in garbage time, in competitive football, to have a solid fantasy day against New England. Because Justin Herbert, in all these matchups that he kind of has his back against the wall, he still ends up having a good fantasy day. He's the eighth-ranked quarterback right now, and he's played two less games than a lot of these players. He's 235 fantasy points on the season, and he had his worst game last week, which was 16 fantasy points, which is still rather respectable, and you have New England on the road. Now, my issue with Justin Herbert would be, can the Chargers defense slow down this New England Patriots offense? And The Chargers give up about the eighth most fantasy points to the running back position, so that's something that they're going to that's definitely going to challenge them. I think on the road for New England, it might also slow them down. Maybe the Chargers will have more of a pep in their step. And it's not like New England have been shutting down opposing quarterbacks all season. They ranked about ninth in fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position with 25.5 fantasy points per game and four-point passing touchdown leagues. Granted, Bill Belichick has his way, typically, with these younger quarterbacks. So Justin Herbert's going to have to overcome that. Pep Hamilton and his offensive staff, they're going to have to overcome that. But if you have Justin Herbert, you're not benching him. You're not benching Deshaun Watson, who I have at eight against the Colts. The Colts did not have Autry last week, and they didn't have DeForest Buckner. And you saw what happened when Tennessee wanted to run the football. They did whatever they wanted. And Indianapolis gave up three touchdowns. Still up in the air if those guys are going to be available. But Deshaun Watson, you can still trust him even without Will Fuller. That's going to hurt him, the Will Fuller loss. There's no way around it. It's going to put more of the burden on Brendan Cooks. And I think Jordan Aikens. And then Kiki Kuti as well. You could throw in there. But I think Jordan Aikens is going to have to step up on Thanksgiving. He dropped two touchdown passes. One was a little bit of a tough catch, but his fantasy day could have been huge. And we all could have been talking about him. But instead, it doesn't look like he did anything. But without Will Fuller, I think Aikens is going to definitely be the beneficiary of that. And Deshaun Watson against Colts. Colts are a good team. The Colts got torn apart last week. And Deshaun Watson is just a different type of player. So he's at 8, and 9 is Ryan Tannehill versus the Cleveland Browns. We saw Mike Glennon tear them up last week. Okay, and I know Denzel Ward didn't play. Miles Garrett didn't play. Miles Garrett is going to play in this game. And Denzel Ward, it still remains to be seen, but he may play as well. So you have to wait to see what the practice reports say on Thursday. 
And by the time you're listening to this, those practice reports will be released. So just look up Denzel Ward and see if he was limited. If he was limited, he's more than likely going to play. Cleveland gives up about 23 fantasy points a game to the quarterback position. And you know the identity of this Tennessee Titans offense is to run the football. And Cleveland, in terms of running backs, they give up 17 points per game to the running back position. I'm willing to bet that Derrick Henry is probably going to get more than that in this game. It's going to be the identity. This is the highest over-under on the slate. So you're rolling with good old Mr. Ryan Tannehill. After him, I have Kirk Cousins against Jacksonville. Kirk Cousins, we saw him be the, what, the fourth highest scoring quarterback on last week's slate. Third, I'm sorry, scored 26 fantasy points in that game against the Carolina Panthers. And now he's going to have Adam Thielen back. And Jacksonville, they're not great against the run. Not going to make it like they are, but they're very bad against the pass. Like, really bad. They give up the second most fantasy points to the quarterback position. And I think you're looking at Kirk Cousins. If you're riding him in a super flex league, you're kind of lucky to have him. I think it's going to be Justin Jefferson. You're going to look for little screens of Dalvin Cook. You're going to have Adam Thielen back. He's going to be angry because he just missed last game. So I really like Kirk Cousins. He comes in my top 10. Then Taysom Hill at Atlanta. Look, you, you're getting a lot from him on the ground. You're not getting that much from him as a passer, but in the goal line, they're using Taysom Hill. It's actually hurting Alvin Kamara, really. But granted, if it was Kamara instead of Murray, we wouldn't necessarily be saying that. So they can obviously coexist. But Taysom Hill in the goal line, they run quarterback power, and it works. And we saw it work twice against Atlanta two short weeks ago where Taysom Hill had a one heck of a fantasy game in the Superdome, and now he gets Atlanta again. Atlanta, very underrated defense. Not the same defense we saw under Dan Quinn. They are playing a lot different with Raheem Morris as their head coach right now. They really are. We saw that, what they did to Derek Carr last week. Insane. They punished Derek Carr. Three fumbles and an interception. Now, Sean Payton's not going to put Taysom Hill in that kind of position. Taysom Hill is going to be used in a, in a wise manner, judiciously, not going to throw into a lot of coverage, I don't believe. It's going to be a lot of running the football. The only thing is, can you do that all game? Because you could do that against Denver when I'm playing quarterback for them. Kendall Hinton, no knock on you. But against Atlanta, Matt Ryan, especially if Julio Jones is healthy, not so much. It's Taysom Hill at 11-12. I have Derek Carr at the New York Jets. Look, I'm trying to forget about what happened last week. I am don't feel good about starting him, but this is against the Jets, the team that gives up the most points to the fantasy or most fantasy points to this position so i have Derek carr 12 don't love it and then 13 i have a short week ben roethlisberger against washington and the guy's probably studying film right after he took his pads off of the washington football team and that defense who played on thanksgiving and had how long off so it's going to be a tougher spot for the steelers but they're an undefeated team for a reason and they should overcome and we saw they don't run the football everyone saw it on Wednesday afternoon football, <laughs> which is weird to say. They don't run the football. They pass the football. And they have success passing the football. And Washington gives up the least amount of fantasy points to the wide receivers. That's about to be busted. It really is. Don't be scared to start Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, or Juju Smith-Schuster. So Ben Roethlisberger at 13-14. Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he plays. If not, Tua would be a lot lower than this. But Fitzpatrick against Cincinnati. Rivalry game, which is basically every game for Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's something that I definitely would like to indulge in. Ryan Fitzpatrick had, what, a modest 19 fantasy points against the Jets last week at MetLife. Now he gets to host Cincinnati, a team that Daniel Jones carved up in the first half before leaving with that hamstring injury. So if 
I'm willing to roll with Fitzy again, baby, if there is no Tua. But we have to wait to see if he will play. His thumb is still bothering him. 15, I have Phillip Rivers at the Houston Texans. And again, I think Houston's going to be able to put points on the board. Even though they don't have Will Fuller, I don't think it's going to necessarily matter. And this over-under is 51 points, one of the higher over-unders. I think Phillip can throw on this defense, who just lost Bradley Roby, because he likes to do the same thing Will Fuller's doing. So I I have no issue with Phillip Rivers, and he comes in my top 15. It's not overly sexy, but he's getting it done, and he's been effective. I mean, last week was a terrible game for him and his entire team, and he still put up 17 fantasy points. Some of it was garbage time, but he still put up 17 which ranked just out of the top 10, but he was a quarterback one. He was a 12th quarterback on the week. So I'm fine with rolling him out there. Then at 16, I have Cam Newton at the Chargers, another player who gets it done with his legs, but (laughs) he had like 85 passing yards last week. Just not getting it done with his arm. But against the Chargers, that could change. Now the Chargers got Chris Harris back last week, which is excellent for the Chargers defense, and I think that will also not be great for New England. But they're not a world-beating defense, the Chargers. So I think that Cam Newton, you can start him if if you need to. I think this could be a low-key, higher-scoring game than what's being portrayed. It's at 47. I think it might go up a little bit. If it was like 49, I think that would be fair. Because Justin Herbert can sling it. But again, this is Bill Belichick, like I said before. It's just, what can Cam Newton do? Can Cam Newton get right against this defense? It's not that great on the road. That's the question mark. That's why it's only at 47, though. 17, I have Jared Goff at Arizona. Jared Goff looked terrible last game, and even against Tampa Bay, he had a couple really, really bad throws. But Arizona's defense hasn't been great either. They give up the third most fantasy points to the position. They give up 30 fantasy points to the quarterback position. I don't think Jared Goff's going to go out there and put a 30-burger on Arizona, but I do feel like they're going to find their stride with little Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Josh Reynolds action. I think Cup will get right because they barely used him last week, and the Rams did a good job taking him away in the middle of the field. So I have Jared Goff at 17-18, Matt Ryan versus New Orleans. Now, Matt Ryan did not look good in New Orleans a few short weeks ago with a hobbled Julio Jones. But now if Julio Jones comes back healthy, has Calvin Ridley back, He's healthy. I think he's a startable player. 19, I actually have Mike Glennon at Minnesota. Minnesota is a team that has we've kind of targeted all season. They've been a little bit better against the pass of late. But Mike Glennon looked pretty solid, and I think he can get it done in garbage time. He's not somebody you're going to want to roll out there, but a lot of these other options do not get me warm and fuzzy, and they're in kind of tough matchups. Like Baker Mayfield at Tennessee, I think, is somebody that I actually probably would, looking over my rankings, put over Mike Lennon just because this over-under is really high. You don't want to trust Baker Mayfield throwing the football. He looked good with Jarvis Landry last week, but he still overthrows. His accuracy is kind of out of whack. His footwork isn't all there. And you know what they're going to want to do? Run the football with Nick Chubb. Run the football with Kareem Hunt. But Baker Mayfield does come in my top 20. He's a startable player. I have him over guys like Matt Stafford at Chicago, Carson Wentz at Green Bay, Mitchell Trubisky versus Detroit, Nick Mullins versus Buffalo, Drew Locke at Kansas City, Sam Darnold versus Las Vegas, Alex Smith at Pittsburgh, Brandon Allen at Miami, Andy Dalton at Baltimore, and Colt McCoy at Seattle. So something to be said about that. Notes my rankings in that order. All right, before we dive into the running backs, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the 
we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running backs, running backs. So Dalvin Cook comes in as the number one running back on the week against Jacksonville, a team that you can run on, but they've been better against the run than they have against the pass. But Dalvin Cook is the focal point of an offense that wants to run the football, that has done a good job running the football, and Dalvin Cook did not have a great game last week. And I think this could be a bounce-back blow-up spot for someone like Dalvin Cook. Jacksonville's not Detroit. They're not that type of defense, but they're definitely somebody you can take advantage of. He's number one. Number two would be Derrick Henry against Cleveland. High over-under. We see what Derrick Henry can do. You just keep feeding him throughout the game, no matter the game script, unless it's like 14-21 down and it's the fourth quarter and you're going to be happy it's going to pay off for you and like we mentioned earlier Cleveland's good solid against the run James Robinson just had a really good game against them we can't forget about that and he's an all-around type of back whereas Henry gets spell performance sometimes in passing situations but you're not benching Derrick Henry and he comes in at two number three is the aforementioned James Robinson at Minnesota James Robinson just is so underrated. He has to be the fantasy MVP for where you got him. You probably drafted him in the last round or picked him up on free agency. And he was the fifth-ranked running back last week behind Nick Chubb, Latavius Murray, Antonio Gibson, and Derrick Henry. It's just you can't say enough about what James Robinson been able to do. And he gets to play against Dalvin Cook, opposite of Dalvin Cook. There should be a lot of running in that game. And James Robinson, PPR leagues, also pays off dividends there because he's an excellent receiving back. Just all around. He comes in at 3-4 would be Austin Eckler versus New England. Austin Eckler was a PPR machine last week for Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert targeted him 16 times. He hauled in eight of those catches for like 64 yards, something along those lines. Don't have the statistics right in front of me. That's not even what he does on the ground, but he's being used. That's what you wanted. You thought, and eh, maybe he'll be sprinkled in here or there. No. Austin Eckler's the lead back. They know that. It's not Josh Kelly. It's not Caitlin Bellage, Trumaine Pope going to use Austin Eckler and in PPR leagues he has so much value and again these rankings are based on half point PPR rankings so Austin Eckler New England just got chalk him in plug him in hopefully he stays healthy Nick Chubb at Tennessee is five look Nick Chubb he last week was just an absolute stud once again had 19 carries for 144 yards and a touchdown actually had three targets caught all three of them for 32 yards that's typically not something that's in his repertoire but he did that getting you 23 fantasy points. And now he gets to play in a game that has a high over-under against Tennessee. The one thing I'll say about Chubb is it seems like they like using Kareem Hunt a little bit more in the red zone, which is kind of frustrating because I do think Chubb would be an excellent red zone threat. I like the split between the two, but I think Chubb deserves a little bit more red zone work. And if he gets that, his upside is through the roof. That's already at the roof. Six would be Aaron Jones versus Philadelphia. Now, the thing I'd say about Aaron Jones is Jamal Williams is eating into his carries a little bit, and I think it's probably wise to do that 
because Jamal Williams is very underrated and good in his own right. And he had 17 carries for 73 yards and a touchdown last week. Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones had 17 carries for 90 yards, no touchdown, one reception for zero yards. And it's becoming a little bit more of this. Now, that's a 50-50 split, but the game script also lent its way to giving the quote-unquote backup quarterback more work because the game was so out of reach. If the game is closer, it might not be that way, but this game I don't think is going to be closer. I think it's going to be another game that's somewhat out of reach. So I look at Aaron Jones and I say, Jabal Williams might be a little annoying if you're an Aaron Jones owner, but you're still going to start Aaron Jones. You're going to hope he receives that lion share and you're going to hope he's used out of the backfield a little bit more like he was in week two against Detroit when he absolutely destroyed Detroit, which he gets here next week. Seven would be David Montgomery against the worst rush defense, Detroit Lions. Now, the thing I'll say about Detroit, they fired their coach, fired the general manager. Sometimes when we see that happen, we see the players galvanize and they play really hard. So what if they galvanize on defense when their defensive quote-unquote mastermind is now gone and they actually become solid against the run? Is that possible? Yes. Is it definitely going to happen? No. If you have David Montgomery, you're going to be rolling with David Montgomery, who actually looked really good last week. His stats were good. But he also looked good. He passed the eye test. He had 11 carries for 103 yards. And then he caught five passes for 40 yards and a touchdown. He had that one long run that set up Mitch Trubisky in the red zone when the game was actually still not a blowout. David Montgomery looked like he had burst, explosiveness, things that you question sometimes about him. He actually had holes to run through, which was huge. The offensive line did a solid job blocking, which is something that he doesn't always get. So I have him at 7, Chris Carson at 8. You want to monitor Chris Carson right now, okay? Because Pete Carroll came out on Wednesday, said that he was a little sore, and they're going to monitor him. So you want to monitor this ranking. But I do think Chris Carson against the New York Giants, not a great matchup, but if they gave him a lot of work, he could pay off, especially when the Giants are going to have to worry about covering the DK Metcalf and the Tyler Lockett's of the world. And they like using Chris Carson in the screen game as a receiver. But Carlos Hyde has been kind of taking some of his carries as well. So he's definitely somebody you want to monitor if he's injured. Got to bump him down. Still probably going to play him, though. Nine is actually Alvin Kamara at Atlanta, who played Atlanta a couple weeks ago. Did not do that much. Really didn't have to do anything last week. Had 11 carries for 40 yards. Latavius Murray did everything. Well, Latavius Murray had 19 carries for 124, two touchdowns on the game. But they might have to use him in this game if... Atlanta's actually competitive. The thing is, his fantasy value is significantly worse with Taysom Hill. Because Taysom Hill doesn't target him. Drew Brees targets him all the time. Now, will Sean Payton kind of force Taysom Hill to target him a little bit more? Maybe. Design a little bit more plays for Alvin Kamara? Possibly. And if you have Alvin, you're not going to bench him, obviously. But it's something you just want to be a little bit weary of. Because usually he's 1, 2, or 3. And now he's 9. And that's for a reason. 10 would be Miles Sanders at the Green Bay Packers. Look, Doug Peterson, you can run the football. It's something that you can do. Green Bay gives up the fourth most fantasy points to the running back position. For whatever reason, he doesn't run the football. He gave Miles Sanders six carries last week. And the game script wasn't even ridiculous. Establish the run. Give it to your playmaker. Comes at 10 because Green Bay is a really bad run defense. But will Philadelphia even utilize that and he's somebody that i don't necessarily feel great about starting i'm probably going to start him i have him in a league and i'm probably going to roll him out there because of the matchup and hope that this offense somewhat stabilizes a bit against a defense that you can run on especially against a pass defense that's pretty solid with jair alexander 
comes in my top 10. I don't feel great about it, though. 11, Raheem Mostert versus Buffalo. Look, we saw Raheem come back last week, and he looked pretty solid, and he got most of the work, which is what you want to see. He had the fumble, which is unfortunate. He did, but he still received 16 carries, had 43 yards against a really tough Los Angeles Rams defense. And you know he's going to be used as a receiver, and he's coming back from an injury here. And now he gets a Buffalo team that you can run on. It's not a team that has been shutting down the run all season. They give up about 22 fantasy points to the running back position a game. So I have Mostert at 11. Glad to have him back, too, because I think he's a very exciting and explosive type of player, one of the fastest running backs in the league. And I think if you have him, you can start him comfortably. And I don't say that often about San Francisco 49ers. But there's a home game against Buffalo. San Francisco 49ers running backs tend to really... Get on your nerves, because I'll throw Jeff Wilson in there and Jarek McKinnon, but in this, I, I think I'm all right with rolling with Raheem. 12 would be Josh Jacobs. Got to monitor the injury, though. But it's at the New York Jets. I don't expect them to lay an egg like they did last week. This is the Jets we're talking about here, and the Jets will always jet. Must know this. If Josh Jacobs comes in at 12 if he's healthy. Got to monitor that. If he's not, go and pick up Devontae Booker, which probably already happened, to be honest. Then I have J.K. Dobbins versus Dallas. Should be off the COVID list by this time. J.K. Dobbins was receiving most of the carries. Now, Gus Edwards would come in and get some of the goal line work, but Mark Ingram would get one, two, three carries after he got back from that injury. And now it's J.K. Dobbins' team on a rush-oriented offense that is led by Lamar Jackson, who has had a bad year for his standards. But J.K., I think this, this is a player that can help win you your fantasy league. Because he's just been chilling on your bench, you've been waiting to use him, and now it's time to use him against that somewhat cupcake schedule that we mentioned before. So J.K. Dobbins comes in at 13, where 14 is Kareem Hunt at Tennessee. High over-under, love using him as a receiver. Every week I feel like he's an inch away from getting in the end zone, and he just does not. If he falls into the end zone on these specific plays, then his fantasy outlook is much different than it is now. So he comes in at 14, whereas Antonio Gibson in a tough matchup against Pittsburgh. Come in at 15, Pittsburgh's on a short week. Yes, they're home. But we saw with Antonio Gibson with extended rest. I think this could be a solid game for him. He seems to be receiving a lot more of the receiving targets than J.D. McKissick was. Is that game script? It could be. But you're not going to bench Antonio Gibson after a 36-point game where he looked fantastic. And then 16, I have DeAndre Swift at Chicago. DeAndre Swift has not been cleared yet from the concussion protocol. So you have to monitor this as well. I think Chicago is definitely a team... That is scary, but we saw Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones have success against them, their front seven without Akeem Hicks in there. So if there is no Akeem Hicks, DeAndre Swift's an awesome start here. If there is Akeem Hicks, I still think you're going to roll with DeAndre Swift unless you have some ridiculous running backs. Because Chicago, like I said, they're a, a solid run defense. They've been good all year against the run, but that's mostly because Akeem Hicks is there. After DeAndre Swift, I have Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus Denver. Barely saw him last week. Barely saw him against Tampa Bay. I felt like they weren't going to be able to establish a run, so they were just going to throw, and that's exactly what they did. Denver just got ran all over by Latavius Murray, albeit Denver's defense was out there for 60, 70-plus plays, something absolutely ridiculous. So they were really tired by the end of the game. I think Andy Reid's going to come out here, and he's going to run the football a little bit. I think it's going to be a better game for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but you have to be cognizant of the fact that these types of games can happen with him. So you have to approach Clyde with, with a limited upside. That's why he's 17 for me. He was a first-round pick, and he's this low. But I still like him, and I would still roll him out there as an RB2. Miles Gaskin versus Cincinnati is at 18. you got to wait to see. 
if he gets cleared to play this game. It's not a given yet, but if he is, it's a smash matchup for Miles Gaskin. We know Brian Flores likes to lean on one running back. So that's why he comes in at 18. And then 19 is Jonathan Taylor at Houston, who is now off the COVID list and didn't have COVID, was a close contact because his girlfriend contracted it. Now he's back with the team against the Houston Texans team that gives up the fourth, no, fifth most fantasy points to the running back position. Jonathan Taylor looked good the last time we saw him, received over 20 carries, looked spry on the ground, something he hasn't done all season. And if he gets in the end zone, he's having an amazing fantasy game for you. So he comes in at 19, and then Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott at Baltimore comes in at 20. Look, he had a complete dud on Thanksgiving, and Baltimore is a team that has been solid against the run. They looked pretty good against Pittsburgh and Benny Snell in that front. Granted, they didn't have Marquise Pouncey, which is obviously a loss. And Ezekiel Elliott lost Zach Martin. And the other tackle that they have, Cameron Irving. They got Joe Looney back, which is solid. I think you have this the talent of Zeke. You have to weigh, and this is a decision you have to make, do I want to lean on that talent in a tough matchup? Or do I want to go with somebody like Wayne Gallman? Or somebody like Naheem Hines? Or Kenyon Drake? I wouldn't knock you for going with any of those other guys. But the talent I have at 20 right now. But again, you have to weigh that as a fantasy manager and see which direction you really want to go and make sure that he's also healthy too because he's been a little hobbled. If you want the rest of the rankings, please go to Big Blue View and check them out. Let's dive into some wide receivers. Devontae Adams against Philadelphia is the number one wide receiver for me because he is an absolute stud in every sense of the word. In this game, he gets targeted so much by Aaron Rodgers. He's averaging nine targets in the last three games and he didn't wasn't really needed against Chicago in the last one the guy consistently gets 15 targets 12 targets 10 targets and then when he gets seven or eight it's kind of shocking but that did just happen but yes Devontae Adams that's a really good matchup against Philadelphia we saw what DK Metcalf did to Darius Slay Devontae Adams can do that same thing I like Darius Slay he's a good player but he can't slow down these really really heavyweights people like Devontae Adams at this juncture in his career these two guys know each other really well because Slay used to play for the Detroit Lions two Tyree Kill versus Denver Tyree Kill in the snow went off against Denver last week and he's coming off of one of the best wide receiver games in fantasy football history so yes that's all you need to say about Tyreek Hill. Number three, DK Metcalf versus the New York Giants. I kind of talked about before my concerns with the Giants and DK Metcalf. They run certain types of coverages. And DK, he's just been balling, man. He's been playing really, really well. He was the wide receiver six this past week. Had 13 targets, caught 10 of them for 177 yards, and just missed getting into the end zone on that one specific play. And on the season, DK Metcalf is the number two wide receiver right now, just behind Tyreek Hill. And then Devontae Adams would be three. And number four just got suspended, Will Fuller. Four, though, would be Adam Thielen versus Jacksonville coming off of the COVID list. Adam Thielen's going to come out here, and they're going to try to run the ball, but they're going to throw it as well, and you can really take advantage of Jacksonville's secondary. When they're by the goal line, they've been throwing it a lot more recently. Usually it's to Thielen, who's been coming up big in those situations. So start Adam Thielen, feel great about it. You are going to do it anyways. Five, A.J. Brown versus Cleveland. Another player who's an absolute beast, similar to D.K. Metcalf, former college teammates at Ole Miss, and A.J. Brown. Last week, he had only six targets, but caught four of them for 98 yards and that touchdown, and he's quietly had a really solid fantasy season. He's not targeted all that much. He's only played in nine games, but you get him out in space, and he absolutely dominates. one of the many reasons why he has eight touchdowns on the year. Number six would be Calvin Ridley versus New Orleans. Got into the end zone last week, and if Julio's there, he's going to draw main coverage of Marcus Lattimore if he does end up playing. 
And then you have Calvin Ridley, who consistently just does well for the Atlanta Falcons. Somebody that isn't necessarily getting all the praise in the beginning of the year he was, but he's still balling out. Like even this past week, he had nine targets, caught six of them, 50 yards and a touchdown. That's a solid fantasy game right there. That's not killing your team. That's doing well for you. Calvin Ridley on the season too, has 125 fantasy points, comes in tied with Tyler Lockett as the ninth receiver. And Tyler Lockett had a couple blow-up games. Calvin Ridley's also missed a game as well. So Calvin Ridley comes in my top 10 at six. Number seven will be Keenan Allen, another guy whose targets are really good. And I think he had 10 targets in this past game. And you, you think, oh no, his fantasy points weren't all that great this past week. He had 12 fantasy points, came in at wide receiver 17 behind guys like Gabriel Davis, T.Y. Hilton, and Marquise Brown. And Marquise Brown, we saw that Trace McSorley play. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. But Keenan Allen had 10 targets, caught four of them for 40 yards and a touchdown. It's not because of Austin Eckler that his targets are going to go down. Will he may, he may lose some to Austin Eckler? Yeah, you could say that. But this guy's still going to be the number one read in this offense. So don't worry about it. Still an absolute, completely dominant type of receiver in terms of fantasy football. So he comes in at seven. Eight would be Allen Robinson, who did excellent on Sunday Night Football. Allen Robinson on the season has been solid. He comes in at wide receiver 17. So he's a wide receiver too. You could say he's had his ups. He's had his downs. It's been somewhat frustrating. But on the week, last week, and their 41 to 25 loss against Green Bay, so wide receiver four had 13 targets, eight catches for 74 yards, and two touchdowns. You know what that tells me? Please, Mitchell Trubisky, keep starting. Because Nick Foles, it was very frustrating watching him try to get the ball to Allen Robinson sometimes. You got to give it to Bill Lazor coming out of the bye. They definitely had a game plan to just feed Allen Robinson on those quick slants, those quick digs, and near the goal line too. That's great for his fantasy value. It really is. So you want to see Trubisky keep starting, and it seems like he's going to. So he comes in at 8-9 would be Steph Diggs at San Francisco. Now, Steph Diggs, this is a tough matchup, okay? There's no doubt about it. And this Bills offense with Brian Dayball, they're going to have to get right against this San Francisco team. That's led by Nick Mullins. Not great, but Kyle Shanahan is so creative with how he runs the football and which, with how he gets the ball into Debo Samuel's hands. And now you might have Brendan Ayuk back. So you're going to have to worry about Debo Samuel and Brendan Ayuk in those little touch passes. So when you have the football, that offense needs to be efficient. It's not necessarily Josh Allen's game, but that's what they're going to need to do. They're going to need to get the ball into their playmakers' hands. That's either Cole Beasley, who's a solid guy in the slot, or Steph Diggs, who's going to be going up against an older Richard Sherman, who's a solid player still, very solid player. I have Steph Diggs at 9. I do. I don't think he's somebody who is going to be a top 5 receiver on the week. That's why I have him here at 9, but he's definitely somebody that you're going to start if you have him. Hope that he gets 10-plus targets. Hope that he comes down with eight of them for over 80 yards and hopefully falls into the end zone. So that's what Steph Diggs is all about. And number 10, I have Julio Jones. If he's healthy, have to monitor the play, have to monitor the injury reports against New Orleans at home. Healthy Julio Jones is great for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan goes up if Julio's healthy, but you have to monitor to see if he's going to be healthy. Missed last game. Could be good for this one. 11, DeAndre Hopkins versus the Rams. Going to see a lot of Jalen Ramsey. That's not great, but you can't bench DeAndre Hopkins. He's had a couple down weeks. He has. DeAndre Hopkins has not been that great the last three games. Through the last three games, he's the wide receiver 23. So he's almost a wide receiver three in terms of fantasy football. Averages about 9.5 fantasy points a game. After that catch, he hasn't necessarily done all that much. He's had tough matchups. Kyler Murray's had a ding shoulder. Hasn't necessarily helped him. That's why he falls out of my top 10. But he's still someone with incredible upside, still someone that can win that matchup against Jalen Ramsey. 
and still someone that you can have success with and plug into your lineup. 12 Cooper Cup versus the Arizona Cardinals in that same game. Look, they barely targeted Cup last game. He had two catches for, I think, 40-something yards. In the game before that, he was targeted double-digit times, had over 100 yards receiving, didn't get into the end zone. And I feel like these end zone, it's coming, you know? And we've seen these slot receivers. I know he's used a little bit in a different way. And the Rams like to run the football, which can get frustrating sometimes when, when you own Cooper Cup. But we saw what Tyler Lockett did against Arizona earlier in the season when he went off and had that 40-point game. Do I think Cooper Cup's going to have a 40-point game? I don't. But I think he's going to have a bounce-back game here, and I'm willing to start him, and he's a wide receiver one for me. Justin Jefferson versus Jacksonville is my 13th wide receiver. I know Adam Thielen's back. I don't think it really matters. Justin Jefferson's playing really good football right now. He really is. People aren't talking about it, but Justin Jefferson is the sixth receiver in fantasy football right now on the season. He has six touchdowns. He has 52 catches for 918 yards. He's had blow-up games, and he's had other duds, and he started slow, but he's been so good recently. He was the fifth wide receiver last week with 13 targets, seven catches for 70 yards, and two touchdowns, and there's clips going around Twitter of him running routes, and they're <laughs> phenomenal. They really are. Justin Jefferson's 13, Debo Samuel against Buffalo would be 14. Like I said earlier, they're manufacturing touches for Debo. He had 13 targets, caught 11 of them, because a lot of them are just little touch passes right in front of the quarterback. He gets 133 yards. If you get him in a space, he's like a running back. He's hard to bring down, has excellent contact balance, and his vision is impeccable. And as Mike Tyson would say, his offense is impetuous. No, but Debo Samuel at 14 is definitely somebody you want to invest in if he's still on your waiver wire because he still could be out there, and that's somebody you, you can blow some fab on. I know Brendan Ayuk's going to come in and kind of steal some of this, but Debo is going to be the number one guy. 15 would be Tyler Lockett against the Giants in the slot. I think Darnay Holmes is a very good slot player. And Tyler Lockett's been somewhat frustrating, but he's going to have his boom games. I don't necessarily think his boom game will be against the Giants unless they hit on those deep middle-of-the-field posts when the Giants are in those inverted cover two looks. I think that's more going to be a DK Metcalf thing, but it could be a Tyler Lockett thing. And if you have Tyler, I think you have to roll him out there and you have to take your lumps. If he's going to have his games where he gets you six points, he's going to have your games where he gets you 25. So... That's kind of just the way Tyler Lockett is as a player. 16, Devontae Parker versus Cincinnati. Now, Devontae Parker, we saw last week him go up against the New York Jets and have a pretty solid outing. He had 14 targets with Fitzpatrick, eight catches for 119 yards. I think it's inarguable that Fitzpatrick's a much better quarterback for Devontae Parker's skill set because Fitzpatrick is much more of a YOLO guy where he throws it up in the air and gives Devontae a chance to catch the ball, and he comes down with it a lot of the times because he's a very talented and athletic receiver who's strong at the catch point. So Fitzpatrick's out there. I love him at 16. If two is out there, I think it's going to be a little lower, but you're still going to roll with him. 17, Deontay Johnson versus Washington. Deontay Johnson just gets targeted so much. He really does on this season. He has multiple games with double-digit targets. And on the in the last three games, he averages 13 targets between the three games. 91 yards. Gets into the end zone. They love using him on those quick game kind of routes, and he does a really good job executing those assignments. Deontay Johnson on the season, he's missed a couple games of injury. He's left a lot of games because of injury, but Deontay Johnson has had a good fantasy season this year. Between him and Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster have all been really, really productive. And when you look at the target distribution, Deontay Johnson has 94 targets on the year while missing games. He leads Pittsburgh in targets. 
The next closest is Juju with 84. And then Chase Claypool with 74. That's kind of how that goes at the moment. So Deontay Johnson is somebody you have to feel confident about starting. And again, against Washington, shouldn't scare you. Terry McLaurin is a Washington receiver going up against Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh has a good defense, but they can be had through the air. And Terry McLaurin's a very talented player, and they're going to try to get the football to him. They definitely will. Pittsburgh is, a, like I said, a very talented defense, but they average 32.4 fantasy points a game to the wide receiver position. And I think that's something that Terry McLaurin can kind of take advantage of. We saw him on Thanksgiving. He looked solid, but he's not getting in the end zone enough. You just hope he gets in the end zone, and he's still a PPR kind of player. So he comes in at 18, where 19 is Michael Thomas at Atlanta. Look, I don't feel great about it, but if you have Michael Thomas, you have to start him. Hope Taysom Hill does what he did the first time he played Atlanta and just target Michael Thomas like crazy, and hopefully Michael Thomas ends up prevailing because he's such a good player. We saw him last week not do that much. They didn't have to throw the football against Denver. Against Atlanta and the Superdome, they did, and Michael Thomas had over 100 yards. Let's hope it's that specific game script. And then at 20, I have Robert Woods versus Arizona. Yes, he might see some Patrick Peterson. I think Robert Woods can win on that, and we see Sean McVay do what he wants with his specific players. Hit him on the jet sweep, hit him on the touch pass, hit him a bunch of different ways to get the football into their hands. Robert Woods has been playing really well recently, especially in the game against Tampa, similar to Cooper Cup. Last game, maybe not as much, but he's still somebody you got to roll with. And that's the top 20. If you want to see the rest, please go to Big Blue View. Let's scroll through these tight ends really quick, and then we'll get you out of here, okay? So the tight ends, Travis Kelsey versus Denver. Don't think that's really that difficult. Travis Kelsey actually had a modest game for him last week because it was mainly just Tyreek Hill doing everything now against Denver this was the one game where Travis Kelsey didn't do anything really hurt your team had a normal tight ends type of game but that's basically a product of the snow you're not gonna not start Travis Kelsey so don't even really need to dive into it that much and his modest game last week was eight for 82 on eight targets that's the Travis Kelsey that's why you spend a second round pick on him. The advantage that he gives you in fantasy football is incredible because you're not getting that from any other position. Not even from my number two guy, Darren Waller, who had four points last week against Atlanta. Now he gets a chance. I think this is going to be a smash spot for Waller. Bounce back for Waller, for Carr. But you're not going to feel comfortable starting Carr. You may feel pretty comfortable starting Waller. And by pretty, I mean you're starting. Three would be Mark Andrews if he's off the COVID list against Dallas. Dallas, a team that... It's just not a good defense. They're out of sorts. They may not have the same coach next year, even though this is his, <laughs> even though this is his first year. But it's definitely a situation that is not great. And with Lamar Jackson there, Mark Andrews, I mean, you're just always going to start a player like Mark Andrews. And he hasn't had that great of a year. He really hasn't. It's actually been somewhat frustrating. But he's still a player that has been coming along more recently against Tennessee, he looked pretty solid. Against New England, it was bad weather, but he was targeted a decent amount. That was more of a Willie Sneed type of game. He comes in at three. Four would be TJ Hawkinson at Chicago. Look, Chicago's a pretty solid defense. TJ Hawkinson had a good Thanksgiving type of game where they really scripted a lot of plays to TJ Hawkinson specifically for him, and I expect that to continue even though their coaching staff is now a little bit different. Five would be Hunter Henry versus New England. Now Hunter Henry... This past week, had 10 targets, caught seven of them for 70 yards. Kind of been doing a little bit better every week. And if he gets in the end zone, which is something that he receives, he receives a lot of red zone targets. Doesn't catch them all. Some of them are a little bit overthrown. But he gets the work and gets the looks, and that's what you need. He comes in at five, and then six would be Dallas Goddard with Zach Ertz coming back at Green Bay. Goddard, these last two weeks, have been really good. It really has. 
since the Giant game. The Giant game was didn't really have to didn't really do that much. wasn't targeted all that much. The Giants are solid against tight ends, but not great. But then these last two weeks, I mean, prime time on Monday Night Football has a touchdown. The week before had a touchdown. And he's becoming one of those tight ends that you're really considering every week doesn't matter. You're going to start him. And if he keeps this up, that's obvious. But he has to keep this up. Seven would be Mike Kosicki versus Cincinnati. Had a solid game last week. And came out five targets. Only caught two of them, but for 40, for 35 yards. And a touchdown. Got in the end zone. Got solid when it comes to fantasy football tight ends. Eight would be Robert Tunyon versus Philadelphia. Has two touchdowns, two straight games on deep patterns. You love the fact that you have a great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers airing it deep on deep passing concepts to Robert Tunyon, who's a good athletic tight end. He's athletic enough to pull these kind of things off. So you kind of got to take your chances. He can give you those two-point games, three-point games, like any of these tight ends. But he can also kind of help win you a week because he has Aaron Rodgers throwing deep balls to him. So he comes in at eight. Evan Ingram at Seattle comes in at nine. Now, Evan Ingram, McCole McCoy, it's not great. I would have Evan Ingram a lot higher than this, to be honest, against Seattle's defense. I think he could win against Jamal Adams. That doesn't necessarily scare me from an athletic standpoint. Now, I really respect Adams' game. But with Colt McCoy, it brings him down a little bit. And then Eric Ebron versus Washington. I Probably after watching this last game, I'd have Eric Ebron over Evan Ingram. And Ebron... I think he had 10 targets, caught seven of them, and I think he dropped the other three. Really, he just drops the ball so much, but he's targeted in the red zone, and he's still a part of that offense, and he's a mismatch nightmare against Washington's linebackers. I do like that, so I'd have him over Evan Ingram. And after that, I have Noah Fant at Kansas City, Jordan Aikens versus Indianapolis, Zach Ertz at Green Bay, Austin Hooper at Tennessee, Hayden Hurst versus New Orleans, Jordan Reed versus Buffalo, Trey Burton at Houston, Jimmy Graham versus Detroit, Kyle Rudolph versus Jacksonville, and Logan Thomas versus Pittsburgh. And that is the fantasy rankings for week 13. Best of luck, everybody. I hope you guys win this, get into the playoffs, and bring a chip, championship, as Drake says, a championship home to your fantasy league. So you can brag to all your friends, bring it home to yourself, and have a good old time. I'm Nicholas Filato signing off of Filato's Fantasy Corner. Have a great time. For Big Blue View, take care.